0: This is a heel turn collective production. You cannot counter-program the love, the genuine feeling, the damn revolution that is all elite wrestling! This is One With The Undercard, All Elite Edition. Welcome into one with the undercard where me and my boy Jay Johnson break down everything that is all elite wrestling, everything from the dynamite to the pay-per-views and everything in between. Jay, how have you been since the last time I talked to you for our Double or Nothing review?
1: I am doing all right.
0: Well, I mean, I need you to be better than all right because we're oh. coming off the heels of Double or Nothing, which was a great show to some, a mixed review show to others, Um but overall, I think we were pretty positive on the show. Would you say we that? We were.
1: I'd say we were pretty positive on the show. More yeah, positive I, I, than negative.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot of detractors out there that said that the show uh, suffered a little bit from the ladder match in the beginning being a little too long to the Stadium Stampede match being too WWE for them. Um, Any way you fall on it, make sure you check out that episode. That's the first episode we did. And then uh, here we are. We're just going to kind of jump right into the post- double or nothing episode of AEW Dynamite, which took place on May twenty-seventh. And uh right off the bat, you know, I think the first thing to talk about, J- Jay, is uh, you know, the ratings came in and AEW handily beat NXT this week. They had eight hundred and twenty seven thousand viewers to NXT seven hundred and thirty-one thousand. Wow. Uh, that's that's a pretty interesting number seeing how AEW had you know around seven hundred thousand last week, so that's a big boost. Do you think Double or Nothing had probably something to do with that?
1: Um, I'm not sure if it's Double or Nothing that has something to do with it. I think what has more to do with it is AEW's ability to create a live atmosphere, no, more so than NXT can.
0: Yeah, I I, I think you're right on that. Um, they did have the NXT did this is an AEW show, but NXT did have the big main event uh, this week pitting Matt Riddle against Timothy Thatcher, I believe his name is in in like a cage fight which AEW counter program which we're going to get into. Um uh, but yeah, overall just a, a clean sweep over most of the demographics. The only one NXT really only wins is the 50 and up and I mean we're not there yet so. No. Um but yeah, so if you're the,
1: 50 and up and listening to this show. Hey, I'm glad you made it.
0: Absolutely. So, uh AEW really just taken um all the demographics that they need really hitting that 18 to 34, which I think is the perfect demo for wrestling. So as long as they, you know, and everybody harps on these ratings, like it's, you know, 1998, you know, still, but I think that 827,000, you know, if you average between 827,000 and 700,000, somewhere around there, I think that's a pretty healthy audience, especially, uh, right now going with everything going on with the virus and everything. Well, would you agree with that take, Jay? I think so. Yeah, I think so too. So, But AEW, yeah, let's get, let's get right into it. Let's Dynamite – st- what? Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say we we kicked things off
1: with Broken Matt Hardy and the Bucks. Uh They took on Joey Janela and Private Party.
0: They uh, did, but, but uh, the start of the show, Jay uh, – Oh, you're right. Inter- yeah, the inner circle was there. They had the shirts. Uh, they, they created shirts like the NFL oftentimes does. Um, where the winners and losers, they print championship shirts for both. Um, And they had a bunch of shirts, and uh, Ortiz opened up the trunk or the truck bed, and it showed that they had just made – tens of thousands of these shirts, and I'm sure they'll be on pro wrestling tees before. They're, we know it, they're
1: right. on, they're on shop AEW right now. I am by no means getting paid to say that, but I was checking it out earlier and they had them up on shop
0: AEW.com. Absolutely. They do. And that, that's pretty wild, but yes, the first match of the evening pitted the young bucks and Matt Hardy against the private party and Joey Janela. Uh, before the match began, the young bucks kind of wanted Matt Hardy to kind of fit their style a little bit. And he went back to the old Omega days, For those who don't know, Omega was a wrestling promotion that Matt and his brother Jeff ran back in the early 90s before they got signed by the WWF, and um, he kind of went back into that persona, which kind of fits the Young Bucks style. Um, What were your overall takes on this opening match, Jay?
1: (sighs) This match was dangerous. Um, There were a lot of big spots in this match, um, and Mark Quinn Uh, sustained some kind of knee injury. I've been looking online to see if I can find anything about it. So I don't know if it's real or not. If he did, he sold it very well. Um, But it looked very real. And if it's real, um, it just looked like an absolutely unnecessary bump. It was fun to watch at the time. It was entertaining to watch at the time, but I think um, his safety is, is more important than my entertainment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Um, I think personally, um, just from what I saw, I think private party was way more smooth than they were at double or nothing. It seems like they calmed down a little bit. Uh, I was a little critical of their match in the, in the pre-show for double or nothing, but I feel like here they calmed down a little bit and kind of got their spots in and did what they had to do. Mark Quinn had a nice a spot before the injury where he hit a hurricane run off the apron and Joey Janela followed that up with a DVD uh, death Valley driver for those, not in the wrestling terminology for a near fall. Um, how, how do you land on Joey Janela? Jay, we didn't really talk about him too much during our double or nothing review. Where do you sit on Joey Janela and kind of like where he fits in the AEW kind of infrastructure?
1: I'm pro Joey Janela. Uh, I think he is. I think he's a ton of fun to watch. I think he's entertaining. Um there are not a lot of things that I could like sit here and tell you like, Oh yeah, Joey Janela did this and it made my week. Um, he kind of falls in the middle of the pack for me, but ultimately I'm more high on Joey Janela than I am low.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there, he has his detractors, you know, the, the biggest one probably being James E. Cornette. But um, <laughs> I think that I think Joey Janela you know, he's for what they're asking him to do. I think he, gets the job done for the most part. Is he the, is he the smoothest wrestler in the ring? Absolutely not. He'll never be mistaken for just a technician. He'll never be Dean Malenko or anything, but I think Joey Janela for what they ask him to do is all right. I mean, he's a little out of shape, but that's funny coming from me. I'm way out of shape, but Joey Janela doesn't really, Joey Janela kind of falls into that category of uh, the guy trying to look like he plays wrestler. But mm. but he's getting way better than mm. when I first laid eyes on him. I was like, this guy's a joke. But he's actually gotten a lot better since then. Well, let's uh, talk
1: about the end of the match real quick. Um, somewhere in the middle of the match, um, uh, I think yeah, Janella is beyond the barricade. He ducks and takes a uh, but blade ends up taking quite a super kick. Um, and one so of
0: bucks, yeah. and one of
1: the bucks, yeah. So the uh. The match uh, finishes. Matt Hardy is helping uh, Mark Quinn out of the uh, out of the vicinity, and all of a sudden, uh, Butcher and Blade come in and just start wiping out the young bucks. And then all of a sudden, vroom vroom! To what did my wandering ears did appear? But FTR, yes, they from did. an old from an old Chevy. Uh, I don't know. It's an old truck. It looked cool. Uh, it sounded cool. Um, but yeah, no, they come out to the ring. They wipe out Butcher and the Blade. They look like they're about to, uh, show the Young Bucks some friendship and they turn around and they walk out of the ring and say, no, sir. What did you think about that?
0: Um, so for those who don't know, FTR is the revival. Uh, they were the revival in WWE. The, this is the worst kept secret in all of wrestling. I'm, I'm positive because I, I feel like we could have called this from a mile away, um, Them showing up here is a good thing, I think. I think if AEW, we talked a, a little bit about it in the first episode. If AEW had a weak point, it would probably be the women's division. Their strongest point has to be the tag team division. Uh, they just have so many teams that that really just gel well together and have so many potential matchups that, that really clicked. And one of the ones that everyone had been talking about is FTR against the Young Bucks. And now it looks like we're going to get that. Hopefully they stretch it out to all out. Cause I think that's where the money is. If you have FTR going against the Young Bucks at all out. But I think this just sets up so many potential matchups for not only FTR, but everybody else in the tag team division. Uh, they actually posted on social media a little bit later a picture of them with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, who a lot of people think they kind of, they kind of mold themselves after the old brain busters back in the early nineties. It was Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. So it's kind of cool seeing them here. It's kind of a clash of worlds in a little bit. And it's exciting to see where, you know, them and the young bucks can kind of go. Um, I think they will be the tag team champions by the end of the year though. That's absolutely a certainty. I believe. I
1: I definitely agree with you. They are they they were a really fun tag team to watch in WWE when they were allowed to, uh, when they were allowed to go out and wrestle. There would be weeks where we wouldn't see them on TV, and they were super underutilized. Um, and it's like you know there were a, there's a handful of talent from AEW that's come over from WWE that were underutilized, like Brody Lee for example. Um, we get to see a little bit more of what Brody Lee could do um, on, on Saturday at double or nothing. So I'm really excited to in the future, see what FTR is going to be able to do. And of course they hit the shatter machine on uh, butcher and blade before they head out of the ring. Um,
0: I love that move. I love the shatter machine. It looks really fun. It's just pretty. But, uh, one thing that we glossed over kind of towards the end of the match, it really bothers me about AEW though, how strong their tag team division is, how, weekly they enforce the tag team rules is a joke Mm. to the point where uh at the end of the match the young bucks hit the more bang for your buck and they didn't know who the legal man was yeah they they couldn't remember who the legal man was and that's infuriating to me like i'm a i'm an aew mark like that's something that i i'm branded with I, i like what they're doing but there's just some things that i think are kind of unforgivable. And that's one of them. I can't just, I can't get over it. I can't get over the fact that you don't know who the legal man is like that. That just seems like a simple, just like a simple thing to me. And yet they have yet to kind of master that craft of of enforcing the tag team rules. Mm -hmm. And so if I had one nitpick, that would probably be it.
1: I I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I think that the 10 seconds allows them to hit some cool additional tag team moves in between tags but I think they could probably cut that in half and it would probably cut down on the confusion of who is and who isn't the legal man in the match.
0: I actually had a conversation with somebody on Twitter who had listened to our double or nothing show, which is up on Spotify and Apple podcasts right now. And he was asking me about why after listening to our show and after watching double or nothing, like why AEW wants to take all these risks and do moves that are banned other places. Like for example, uh, FTR, when they got in the ring, they hit a spike pile driver. That was probably the first time they've hit a pile driver in, you know, five, six years. Not going to see that moved. WWE. Yeah. You, you don't see that. And, and I think AEW takes unnecessary risks, but I, I mean, look at, look at the injury to, to Mark Quinn. I mean, that, that, I mean, that is that preventable? Yes. But I mean, he's known for his high flying spots. So, I mean, that's, that's going to happen from time to time, but I feel like AEW sometimes can't get out of its own way and Mm -hmm. they attempt moves and stuff that they're just trying to get eyes to the product. And they don't necessarily have to do that. They don't necessarily have to like just break themselves all the time and say like, do all these crazy, you know, all this crazy stuff. You don't have to necessarily do that to get eyes on your product. You should just let the wrestling kind of speak for itself, you know? So that's why I think a lot of AEW detractors are right. But I mean, I I don't go as far as saying, wow, this is garbage. I just wish they would tweak a thing here, you know, a thing here or there. And I think it would be a little bit better.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, I, I agree.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but next, you know, we had John Moxley come through the crowd. Uh, he joined the commentary desk as uh, Brian Cage was in a squash match against Lee Johnson. Uh, Brian Cage, for those who don't know, debuted at Double or Nothing, won the Casino Ladder Match to get a shot at John Moxley and the AEW World Title at uh, I think it's Fighter Fest. Yeah, Fighter Fest. Up, yeah, that's coming up before All Out but Brian cage is managed by Taz, which I think is cool. Cause I, I, Taz is an excellent talker and not that I think Brian cage is a bad promo, but I mean, anytime you got a veteran like that with you, I think that's, that can only be good.
1: I haven't heard uh, Brian cage talk yet, but I imagine that the only sentence he knows how to say is I like to lift weights. Um, I think those are probably the only words he, he understands, um, <laughs> So I think having Taz on the mic for him is is going to be huge. I and I mean, like you said, anytime you get a legend like Taz to come in and talk on the mic for you, and ta- oh, Taz is a ton of fun to listen to. So uh, even like take take away the human suplex machine, and you've got somebody who can cut a great promo.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think if AEW is also excelling in another aspect, it is introducing these these legends that people have that familiarity with and they just have them as mouthpieces for like the new blood. So it's almost like giving them a rub a little bit, which I think is a good thing. You know, I think, uh, I mean, does Brian Cage need Taz? Probably. He doesn't need him, but I think it's a nice touch to the character, kind of get people acquainted with who he is and kind mm-hmm. of put him with somebody that's a little familiar. But uh, he destroys this Lee Johnson in a couple of minutes. Oh, my gosh, yeah. No,
1: Lee Johnson gets in no offense, which I think was the right call. Oh, absolutely. It out, it shows how dominant this Brian Cage guy is.
0: Can and, I just uh, say, though, can I just say real please. quick? Brian Cage's finisher is scary as hell. That screwdriver move that I've only seen in video games. If if a dude slips, his neck is broken. Like yeah. that move is scary as hell. So I really hope that Brian, I mean, I'm sure he's a veteran of a lot of years and he's been doing it a long time, man. But man, I don't know if I would, if I would pick a move that's so dangerous, that could really hurt somebody if, if they even slip a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't yeah. know, but <laughs> I was also
1: glad. I was relieved to to learn that this uh, title shot was going to happen at Fighter Fest and not at All Out because uh, I don't buy this as a main event for All Out because it, just like Brody Lee, too much too fast. Um, and I'll I'll double down on that with Brian Cage, but I think having this as a main event at Fighter Fest, which is not as big of a deal as All Out, um, I would I, I buy that. I'll I'll allow it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have. They don't have to listen to me because you know I'm just some nerd with a podcast. Um, so, yeah. Um, no, but I, th- I think having him as the main event at Fighter Fest makes more sense. Um, but I still think it's probably too soon for them to put the belt on him.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. Uh, last year, Fighter Fest AEW did it at some video game convention. I can't remember what it was. That's why they called it Fighter Fest, and it was free. Uh, I hope they do the same thing uh, this year kind of nice not to have to pay fifty dollars and see kind of the bigger matches Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: you know i digress but after the match taz takes the mic he looks at moxley at the commentator's booth and said he's cage is going to tear his heart out which i highlighted because that is such that is such a powerful thing to say to somebody but that's not the best thing because taz also says that this is brian cage the machine beat him if you can survive if he lets you which is Taz's old catchphrase from ECW which is actually really really cool that he pulls it out here and uh I just think that that fits the Brian Cage character makes him kind of a killer and I think that that having Taz say something like that just gives him a rub that you can't beat you know it just Mm -hmm. gives him that kind of push that I think is going to kind of push Brian Cage into the upper upper tier of AEW Mm mm-hmm So, I mean, yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't really fight that. So, I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, after the next segment, you know, Britt Baker comes out and she cuts a promo, she's in a wheelchair, which is kind of fun because she comes out with a piece of paper that says the rules, the rules of being a role model. And her chair actually says role model. It's a nice
1: play on words.
0: Yeah. I was like, okay. I mean, that's, that's clever. Um, She mentions that rule number three says not hurting your role model and she also says that Statlander being an alien is a crock of shit, which I laughed at a lot. Because I, I laughed out loud. Because that's, what a, what a line. You know, the fact that AEW can say shit freely on TNT is, I think is actually pretty funny. But um, her saying that there is, is just really, it, and I said this a little bit, you know, in the first episode, Britt Baker at first never really did much for me, man. But, but these promos lately, she's really been growing on me. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of talk. She's currently dating Adam Cole. There's a lot of talk. His NXT contracts up, you know, is he going to be the next one to make the jump to AEW, which, you know, wouldn't shock me, but at the same time, you know, it kind of would, because I feel like he's going to be a big player over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but how did you feel about the brick big, ba- the brick Baker segment?
1: Uh, it was better than her previous segments. Um, I think she's improving. I don't think she's there, but I think she's improving. Um, I think it was nice to keep her on screen. I hope that she keeps doing promos um, throughout the duration of her injury so that she stays on screen. She stays uh, she stays under your skin with her role model shtick. Um, yeah, I think that'd be great for when she's finally able to return to in-ring action, um, then she can finally... Um, hopefully start getting pushed as a really good heel and and uh, beat some quality opponents instead yeah. of being a believable opponent to beat um, like they can throw her in a match with Hikaru Shida and she looks like a quality opponent um, so maybe she can start getting some heat uh, and getting some uh, getting a good push
0: yeah um, I think that that Britt Baker I heard somewhere that she has only been a wrestler for for like two years or something. So like she's really? Still really green, but, uh, actually, uh, our boy Jordan Dukes actually went to school with her. Went yeah. to high school with her. So I, I thought that was a cool little anecdote, but, uh, yeah, but is she, is she money right now? No. Uh, will she get there? Look, I think the sky's the limit for anybody that really has any talent. I think the girl's got talent. So I think that I think that, you know, with the proper pushing and things like that, she can definitely get there. Is she there yet? No, absolutely not. Uh, but I think she can down mm-hmm. the line. But she does mention that she will be back for All Out. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how they work her into that show. Uh, yeah. Kind of see where they go from there. So. And then uh, after that, we had an inner circle promo with Alex Marvez, where Jericho said it's going to be a great celebration and nobody's going to. You know, kind of ruin it. More just pandering by the inner circle. I, I kind of like how much they're on the show. It kind of puts them over as as kind of being babies because uh, they lost that that ridiculous match on Saturday. And mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to have them kind of all over the show and and still getting some time, even though they lost the match. But you can see they're still a fo- uh, kind of a focal point of the show. So yeah. And then, uh, Hikaru Shida, the, the new AEW women's champion, uh, had a, had a match with Christy Janes, which should have been a squash match, but Christy got way too much offense. And in, in yeah, this, in my liking.
1: no, that frustrated the crap out of me. I think if you want to have, who is Christy Janes one, um, and so, why, like, why, why is she getting offense in on the new champion as much as she did? Yeah, she can get some offense, but I think she got way too much offense in on Sheeta, uh, and I, I was way underwhelmed by
0: this match. Absolutely, and because I mean, you just crowned a new champion. Your new your new champion should be running through challengers, kind of being that dominant force. I I understand. I kind of understand from one point they're they're trying to build her as like the baby face, you know, so she's working from underneath and things like that. But somebody like this, I just, if you've never heard of before. I've never seen her in AEW programming. She's apparently
1: Owen one. So she's had a match. I'm not she's sure if it was on games. dark or not. So yeah. like, yeah.
0: I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying though. Like she just should have come in here and just sawed right through her. Uh, she did pick up the win, which I guess is a good thing, uh, but finally
1: picked up the win.
0: Yeah, but Jane's got way too much offense in for either of our liking, it sounds like. So um, hopefully down the line a little bit, they just have Sheeta kind of run through some opponents. That way, uh, it kind of solidifies her as a uh, as a good, solid champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of champions, the next segment had uh, Cody in it, which is the new TNT, the AEW TNT champion. The belt looks hideous. If you haven't seen it, please Google it and go check it out. Um, he's here with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Shavani. He asked Schiavone why he thinks Tom Brady is Cody's favorite quarterback, and he said it. It isn't from because it's from Boston, and it's not, and he'll probably never be welcome back to Connecticut. The Which first made me uh, crack. Yes, the first of multiple WWE references tonight. By the way, um, he said when when he first talked to Tony Khan, Tony Khan didn't even look at him as the first, second, third, fourth choice. Uh, when he was trying to build an elite roster, Cody Rhodes wasn't even on his radar. I don't believe that for a second. I think that Cody is kind of the mastermind behind all this, but I get what they're trying to do. He's trying to kind of, you know, build that baby face fire a little bit mm-hmm. and make it seem like, you know, he had to work from underneath and he did, you know, I don't want anybody to think that I don't think Cody worked hard to get where he is because he absolutely did. I mean, he got on TV and WWE when he was 21 years old, they threw him to the wolves. And I don't know a lot of people that would be able to thrive, you know, and, and did Cody falter? He did, but you know what? I got to give him props. Cause in AEW, he's been the, he's been the, the best part of almost every show that he's been on. So I think that Cody is a standout in AEW. I think Cody's probably one of the best promos in wrestling right now. I think he's one of the best, if not the best, um, mm-hmm. He mentions that he is the first ever TNT champion on America's Greatest Network, putting a mask, kissing boots on. Um, he's and then he talks about something that 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 kind of bothered me. He said it takes grit and determination, and claims that he will defend the title at a break with a breakneck schedule. Okay, they work one day a week. That's not really a breakneck schedule if you think about how much the WWE guys work. Uh, A breakneck schedule was not one day a week, Cody. Uh, I have to call bullshit on that one. I'm sorry. But um, I get what, like I said, I get what he's trying to do here. But that really came off kind of flat to me because I was just like, unbelievable. A breakneck schedule, you work one day a week. You know, and I know he's doing all kinds of stuff behind the scenes and things like that. But when you mention that on TV, defending the title, it's just like you work one day a week. But uh, overall, what were your thoughts on the uh, Cody promo, Jay?
1: Uh, At first I wasn't sure about the open challenge. Um, I wasn't sure about seeing that much Cody Rhodes on TV week in and week out. I don't get me wrong. I think he's great. Um, I think that he has carried a lot of the matches that he's been in. Um, I think he's fun to watch, but I'm just not sold on seeing him week after week. But the more that I think about it, the more I think that this is the TV title. Uh, It's the TNT championship belt. So this, if you want to see a belt change hands on Dynamite, you're going to see the TNT title. I think this is a prediction in the next six months, uh, no more than four months, no less than six. If I said that right, I hope I did. Either so way, you know Christmas. what I'm saying. So by, by Christmas, Christmas, by Christmas, but not before uh, the end of August, we will see a new chal- We will see a new title holder uh, for the TNT championship and i think that'll probably be a a rule for that to be uh defended pretty regularly on tv since it's a tnt's title belt what do you what do you think about that
0: i think i think that that's actually not a bad prediction i think the tnt title is going to be uh kind of like a almost like a television title uh that ecw and wcw and the nwa had for a long time It's actually kind of molded after I read somewhere that Tony Khan actually molded the title after the old NWA television title. So uh, the roots are there and things like that. Um, We kind of we see the first challenger as we kind of watch the show a little bit. Uh, But I think you're kind of spot on there. I think that the TNT title, if there was going to be a title that changed hands on Dynamite rather than it being the world championship, I think it would be more likely it would be the TNT title. We haven't seen the world championship defended on television very much. So I think that this is a way to keep the competition kind of exciting and keep a title on the line. You know, I don't think they'll go as far as TNA did where the television title they had, they defended it every single week. I don't think they'll go that far, but I think that it will be defended more than the world title is on TV. And I think that's the sole purpose of the title is to have a belt on TV that could feasibly change hands And the two title holders are kind of on the same level. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see kind of in the next couple of weeks, though. Um, After that, we had a match between SCU and and, uh, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian, of course, with Penelope Ford, who I think is the the quintessential woman in AEW. Um, I think she's probably, uh, not to get too much into her, but I think she was probably one of the the better standout women that they have on the roster, and uh, but I, I I get why she's a manager here, but I think that she should be featured more in matches and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the winner gets a shot at the AEW Tag Team Championships next week. And uh, Havoc can save me. Pick up a a surprising win here after Jimmy Havoc hits a M- michinoku driver and you know gets the win. The match went about twelve minutes. There was a commercial in the middle. Uh, had the heels kind of maintaining control throughout. They actually maintained control throughout the whole match. Uh, SCU got some of their stuff in, but really a surprising win here for Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian. And I think think it's nice because I think they're actually getting a lot of momentum. I think Jimmy Havoc and and Kip Sabian are – do I think they're going to dethrone Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega? Absolutely not. I I said on the Double or Nothing recap show that – I think best friends will be the next tag team champions, but it's nice here to see Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian, uh, picking up a a surprising win. What did you think about the match, Jay?
1: I have mixed emotions about the finish. Um, I think, um, I think that, um, Hangman and Omega versus Sabian and, uh, Havoc is a great tune-up match for the tag team champions. Um, do I think the more entertaining match lies between, uh, a rematch between SCU and uh hangman and omega, yes. So um yeah, I'm kinda I'm kinda torn. Um and I think I'm leaning towards I'd rather see SCU uh versus Hangman and Omega, but uh we get Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc <laughs> instead.
0: Which is, uh, I think if they win the tag team titles next week, and again, I don't think they're going to, but I think if they do, that'll be the biggest surprise AEW's pulled out of their pocket yet.
1: Well, here's another thing that irks me about it is this is like the first time on Dynamite that Jimmy Havoc and, uh, Kip Sabian have teamed together. Um, I'm pretty sure, or at least they're, they're at least super green as a team. Um, not in the ring, but as a team, um, and so if one of the strong points of AEW is their tag team division, then why aren't we having a standard like put together tag team competing for the tag team belt?
0: Yeah. I mean, but whether I, they're going
1: to win it or not, like irregardless, I'd like to see if the, if their strong suit is, uh, is a, uh, is a tag team division, then why aren't we seeing actual tag teams competing for the belt?
0: Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. Uh, I really put over AEW's tag team division, but you're right. Having these kind of like thrown together tag teams, this really, you know, it's 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 hit or miss. Um, I think that Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian can be a team in the long term. I've always been a big fan, though, if you're gonna be a team in the long term, you gotta get a name. Otherwise it just doesn't feel like I just it doesn't feel like the tag team is for in for the long game. And for stuff like that, you know, even even uh um, Adam Page and and Kenny Omega, I hate the fact that they don't have a name. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't – I just think tag teams should have a name. You know, the Road Warriors, Demolition, the Natural Disasters, the Steiner Brothers, you know, they they all have names, you know. So, I just think that, for me, tag teams to feel complete need a name – I think it's a it's an interesting matchup, but I'm I'm kind of siding with you. I think SCU and Omega and Page would probably be the better of the two matches um, interest wise for myself. But Havoc and Sabian, you know, they get a shot here and it's always nice to get people that that don't normally get a shot at the titles to get them here. So I understand that. I understand the move, though. Um, then after this, we get the uh, the battle royal for the TNT for the first challenger for the TNT. Do you want to champion. talk about
1: the uh, quick promo we get to see? Uh, MJF, MJF uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right.
0: I've totally skipped over that. You're right. MJF did have a promo. Uh, he talks about how he hasn't got a title shot in AEW yet. He says that if him and Wardlow are the last two in the battle royal, Wardlow will know what to do, which I assume means that Wardlow's just going to jump over the top rope and give him the win. Um, yeah, strong promo here again. MJF is the best promo, one of the best promos in wrestling. Him and Cody are kind of neck and neck. Uh, and it's funny because they're, they feuded for for like one match, which is a bummer because I feel like that could have been, I feel like, MJF and Cody would have benefited if AEW ran monthly pay-per-views because they could have had that going for three, four months in a mm-hmm. row, and it would have been, and then it would have culminated in uh, a big-time cage match or something. Mm. Uh, they, they did have the cage match with Cody and Wardlow. Uh, I think that they could have had that with MJF, uh, Cody and MJF, and the cage match would have been a great blow-off. I don't think that it hurts either guy though, but, but they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, MJF is one of the best heels in wrestling. Cody is one of the best baby faces and they are both just fantastic on the mic and cutting Mm -hmm. these promos and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I know you kind of alluded to it on the double or nothing show. Uh, What are your feelings on MJF uh, here in the promo and kind of uh, how do you, how do you rate his chances going into the battle Royal?
1: Well, Uh, What I found more interesting than anything was uh, Wardlow's reaction to MJF telling him he knew what to do. He shot him a funny look. And I've said in the past, I've been critical of Wardlow, uh, referring to him as uh, MJF's valet. And uh, I think we got to see a little dissension between the two of them, which was nice.
0: Yeah, Um, we did. Uh, The question begs, though. There's a question that begs to be asked, is it too early for them to be even teasing the split at this point I think it might be too early I I really do I think that this has a little bit of legs I disagree with you I think that this has a little bit of legs I think this could be one of those things where you build up and then ultimately when Wardlow turns on them it's a huge moment for when people are there I don't think you do it with nobody there
1: I think I think you're right in that aspect but think about some of the builds that the AEWs had um if you think about um the build for the Exalted one, and I know there got to be no pop for that, but that that they built that for a long time. I'm not saying it was great at the end result, um, but the the way that they they told that storyline for at least six weeks, um, it was that was nice to see. Uh, if you t- if you think about um, the the split in the elite between Hangman and uh, the rest of the elite, that's still building. Um, so I think AEW is doing a really good job at building some things at a snail's pace, and I think planting the seeds here for Ward, the, the dissension between Wardlow and MJF early, will then give us um, a lot of a lot of fun. Maybe in I don't know, nine months from now. Yeah, I mean when, uh, when MJF becomes the champion, maybe the first person that he gets to uh, first or second person that he gets to feud with is Wardlow because Wardlow's just about had enough.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would be very uh, reminiscent of Batista triple H and Oh five triple H was the champion. Batista was kind of his understudy. Uh, he turned on him and ultimately won the belt. So I could see them doing like a similar storyline as much as AEW tries to be, tries to not be WWE. They kind of, f- they fall into it sometimes where it feels very E ish. Um, mm-hmm. And uh So I, you know, there's nothing new under the sun in wrestling. Oh, Um, I mean, trust me, we've seen it all. So, I mean, there's nothing you can do that kind of changes anything, you know, but um, I just feel like the dissension might be a little too early. mm -hmm. I don't think that this has nearly gotten the legs that it should, although they could just be building Wardlow and MJF for all out. That's the only thing I could think of that. They're going to build it for all out.
1: I would agree with you there that it would be too quick. If they're going to build this at a snail's pace, um, then I think it's the right time. If they're going to do this early, I think it's too soon.
0: Yeah. So, but we uh, we do have the battle royal. Obviously, both MJF and Wardlow are in it. Orange Cassidy gets attacked on, on his way to the ring by Santana and Ortiz. They take him out. Um, the other wrestlers in the match are Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Sunny Kiss, Doctor Luther, Marco Stunt, Colt Cabana, and, and a few others. Um, kind of some back and forth action here. MJF kind of sat in the corner while Wardlow guarded him and nobody would, would take him out, which I thought was kind of, that was kind of fun. Uh, you had a lot of back and forth action throughout. Uh, I I honestly thought Luchasaurus was probably going to win because I feel like uh, if anybody could have used the push uh, to face Cody, it would be him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately jungle boy comes out on top and, um, Jungle Boy, MJF, and Orange Cassidy, who makes his way back into the ring after everyone had forgotten about him, Uh, they're the last three in the ring. Orange Cassidy does a little work. He helps Jungle Boy. They eliminate Wardlow, then they eliminate MJF, and then eventually, Jungle Boy eliminates Orange Cassidy, which makes him the number one contender for the AEW TNT championship and a match against Cody next week. Um, What if First of all, what were your th- overall thoughts on the Battle Royal?
1: I thought um I thought the ending was really fun. I thought the ba- I wasn't sure who was going to win the Battle Royal. Um I I also love to see Billy Gunn in there. We haven't gotten to see much of the Gun Club featured in AEW.
0: Yeah, I mean um, Billy Gunn, yeah.
1: But uh um yeah, no, I think the ending was a ton of fun. Also, I I don't think I ever realized how freaking huge Billy Gunn is until he stands side by side with Luchasaurus, both of them trying to knock each other down and just kind of no-selling each other. I thought that was pretty fun. Usually I hate no-sells with a passion, uh, but that one was, was pretty fun.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I think that AEW does suffer sometimes from having smaller guys where a guy like Billy Gunn who, didn't necessarily stand out too much uh, in his run with the new age outlaws and things like that. But in AEW, he, he looks like a monster compared to everybody. That's what I think that, that's why I think like somebody like Wardlow looks like just a giant because everybody else in the company is super duper kind of tiny. And so uh, having, having Billy Gunn out there, you're right. It was fun. Um, Jungle boy. I feel like, and, and I might have this sneaking suspicion that Jungle Boy beats Cody next week. Ooh. I don't know why. I just feel like it's going to happen. I feel like Cody's going to put the title on himself for like two weeks, and then Jungle Boy's going to sneak in and beat him. Because what does that do for Jungle Boy? That shoots him to the top if he beats Cody. Mm-hmm. I think they already had a match uh, a little bit. No, no. Jungle Boy had a match with Chris Jericho, not Cody. Yeah, yeah. But, and he uh, took him
1: to a 10-minute draw,
0: which yeah, I think I mean, was the right call. And he had, he had a good match, you know? So I think that Cody and Jungle Boy match up well. I think that Jungle Boy is has the potential to be good in AEW for a long time. So I think that, uh, and his dad ruled in Beverly Hills 90210, you know, Luke Perry, RIP. Um, but I just think that Jungle Boy is the right guy right now to face Cody, I think, after thinking about it a little bit and, and having – jungle boy actually win the match i think that he is the right call overall
1: yeah like you saying that uh that you think that uh jungle boy might take the title from him i at, at first i was like no you're crazy and then the more i thought about it i think that um i think that cody has done a really good job at putting other talent over uh based on his position in the company um and I, I think that it, like him strapping the title to himself at first um, is a really, um, I think it's a, I don't know what the right word is, um, but I, I think him being the first TNT champion is a great move. Uh, and I think Jungle Boy taking it off of him might actually be a great way to skyrocket uh, Jungle Boy's career. And we've been talking about Jungle Boy being a, he's a star But when is his push coming? And, you know, his push could be coming anytime between now and next week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't think Cody gets hurt by a loss. But, I mean, I'm not predicting Jungle Boy to win the title. I'm just saying, feasibly, I could see it happening. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I think that that Cody kind of, uh, you know, I think Cody doesn't really get hurt by a loss here. But Jungle Boy gets shot through the roof, you know. So it just all depends oh, on, yeah. So it just all depends on whether or not you think Cody being a two week champion is a good thing or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get the final segment of the show. Uh, it's like an inner circle pep rally. They got the uh, they got the Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders out there again. They got Vicky Guerrero who says, "Are you kidding me?" Because uh, speculation is is excuse me has been trademarked by the WWE, so she can't say it anymore, which I think is the funniest thing ever.
1: Classic. Um, Classic classic. WWE. Whoa, that is so petty. Oh, Oh, that has Vince written all over it.
0: Oh, it's bad. It's bad. I mean, whether or not that's true remains to be seen, but that's just a speculation that's kind of going through the channels right now, and I I swear... it's so petty. It's so bad. Like, it's just so... You know, but at the same time, you know, I, hey man, whatever. But I know we don't do heel of
1: the week here, but I think that's my vote.
0: Vince McMahon for trademarking, excuse me. Because, you know, and I didn't even think you could trademark, you know, stuff like that because it's such, it's, you know, anybody can say it, you know, but excuse me, TM. Yeah, exactly. Well, excuse me. Well, now you owe me royalty. So, Uh, but uh, the inner circle had like kind of a prep rally in the ring. Um, they had, you know, gifts. They had uh, Santana and Ortiz presenting Chris Jericho with some cheese. Apparently, it's called Chopped Cheese. I don't have any idea what that is. Apparently, it's uh, native to, to the Brooklyn area, which they're from. Uh, we had Sammy Guevara going through his chicken shit heel stuff, which is awesome. Uh, Jake Hager reading a poem was really, uh, really something, man. Uh, and then Jericho calling out Mike Tyson. Um, saying that he wants his head on a platter because of what he did 10 years ago on Monday night. Another WWE reference. Um, Tyson comes out, the two kind of have a face-to-face, and then they have the most staged Austin-Tyson thing I have ever seen in my life. How did you feel about the ending of the show, Jay?
1: Well, first of all, a chopped cheese sandwich, we're going, we're going back to that. A chopped cheese sandwich is like, imagine if New York had a a Philly and wasn't as good. uh, And that's what a chopped cheese is. So if you like a B grade Philly, uh, go for the chopped cheese. But I think, um, yeah, um, I think that, uh, I think Mike Tyson needs to figure out how to rip his shirt off if he's going to do that again. Um, But I had, I had seen recently that Tyson was that Tyson had been training uh, and I was like, ah, oh, I wonder who he's, you know, I wonder who he's gonna get in the ring with. And then I see him uh presenting the title on AEW, a nice way to kind of sneak him in. And I was like, oh, could they be could they be grooming Tyson for AEW? And he comes out with his goons. He's got uh former Olympic gold medalist Henry Cejudo uh in his squad,
0: wow, who's probably known more
1: <laughs> Yeah, he was probably known more for his uh, mixed martial arts career, but he was an Olympic gold medalist. So watch out, Kurt Angle. Henry Cejudo could be coming for your spot. But uh, I thought it was fun, especially with the callback from ten years ago. Did I like immediately turn off Dynamite once it was finished and go and find that segment? Yes, I did. Uh, it was. It was. I think the ending was, was fun. Tyson just needs to figure out how to take his shirt off.
0: I mean, I'll give you it was fun, but I think it was a blatant ripoff of Austin, Tyson, 98, when they were building up to WrestleMania. Uh, That famous Jim Ross call, it's Austin and Tyson, it's Austin and Tyson. Like That was a huge moment because at the time, Tyson was kind of a big box office name. I don't Mm -hmm. think he has that 20 years later. I don't think he has that now. And I think that this was just kind of a cheap way to kind of build on that. I think Chris Jericho, uh, anything he does is money. I think the guy is just money altogether. I think that uh, – but I think here it fell a little flat for me, so I think we're going to disagree a little bit. Um, I feel like it was fun as well, but it did fall a little flat just because I feel like it was just a straight-up ripoff of Austin Tyson back in 98. I just can't get that out of my mind because that's, you know, some of my earliest wrestling memories. So, um, But overall, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, the show overall was uh, – it was okay. Like it wasn't anything that blew my socks off. It was a nice way to kind of wrap up double or nothing uh, next week. They got a lot of big matches coming up. They got the AEW tag team title match. They have the TNT title match and a couple of others that they announced. But uh, overall, Jay, what did you think of dynamite following double or nothing?
1: Uh, I think, I think dynamite was fine this week, but I think it's going to be better next week.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I tend to I, agree.
1: Yeah. Overall, fine. Still a good show, but fine. They've had better, uh, and I'm looking forward to next week, which is going to be even better.
0: Yeah. um, I I still think that AEW kind of has the stranglehold on the Wednesday night crowd. I don't think, no matter what NXT does, everybody's just going to see it as a second-tier brand, which is a bummer because I like a lot of what I see in NXT. But I think that AEW is more on the... Bar of a Raw or SmackDown So they're always going to have a stranglehold on that Do they have the numbers that Raw and SmackDown do? No, because they haven't been around for 20 years That's what people seem to forget You know, AEW is coming into this. They're still, they haven't even been on TV a year yet. And they're still drawing almost a million people.
1: I mean, that's. Well, that's what I, that's what I appreciate about AEW is they didn't want to come in and start competing in the same way that Eric Bischoff wanted to start competing with Raw back in the nineties. They decided on Wednesday because it was a day that nobody was doing any wrestling on TV.
0: Absolutely. And it doesn't conflict with an NFL schedule because for those who don't know, Tony Khan owns the jacksonville jaguars so they didn't want it they didn't want the show to be on sunday that's why the pay-per-views are on saturday because sundays are game days and then mondays obviously and then thursdays you can't do either so but uh yeah so me and jay kind of agree it was it was just a fine show Uh, we both think next week will be better but uh you know we'll be here next week covering dynamite and, and every dynamite after that and uh jay do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here uh no no, I do not. Well, thank you for that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm Lance Augustine. He's Jay Johnson. We'll be here every single week covering AEW Dynamite. Uh, make sure you check us out on all the socials. I'm at, at Collective heel on Twitter. You can check look at me and Lance Augustine on Facebook. You can check out all my columns over at TJRWrestling.net. And, yeah, we'll see you guys next week.
1: Until then, stay safe, be healthy. We'll see you next week.